Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the Ruin for the Ordinary podcast. I am your host, Esther Borba, and I'm so honored by your listening support. On this podcast, you'll hear from a variety of topics ranging from self-esteem and identity to fitness tips, healthy lifestyle habits, and more. I'm a critical thinker and will most definitely challenge my listeners with perspectives through a biblical lens and would love to share experiences from memories I've created all around the world. Make sure you stay tuned for the podcast releases every Wednesday. So let's get this show on the road. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. Esther here. I've been so glad to tune into my stats of the week and see that there are new listeners and there are people who are finishing my podcasts. And I'm going to be honest, that comes as a surprise to me because I do talk a lot, but it was so motivating to see that people are actually listening. And as I post on TikTok, I see that people are giving feedback and they're saying that they're being blessed by these podcasts so that they're listening and tuning in. So if you're a listener from TikTok and you found me from there, thank you so much for coming on here and listening. If you're from Instagram or you're one of my family or friends, thank you for coming on as well. I appreciate your support. You guys are amazing. And I wouldn't be where I am today without you guys. So without further ado, I do want to dive into this topic about discussing the invisible. I've been putting off this topic for a while, and that's because it is a very loaded topic. There's a lot of research that goes into it, a lot of scripture, and I just wanted to present the right concepts to you guys about the spiritual world, and I want to share a couple stories and along with a couple of scriptures and just explain to you that the spiritual world is actually as real as the physical world we live in today. So without further ado, let's dive into that. So I personally believe that a disregard for the spiritual world honestly results in a life where Christians are just beating against the air without acknowledging that there is light and darkness and that there are angels and demons and a God that is in fact spiritual as well is just a basic understanding of what faith is. It's just not seeing what's uh, present and in front of you, but just believing that there is and believing that it is the reason behind a lot of what happens in our lives. Um, Like it says in Ephesians, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against spiritual entities and kingdoms that are in the realm of the spirit. I think it's important that we have an understanding and know that, yes, there is God and there is light, but there is also an adversary fighting against your life and against Jesus inside of you. And I think that's where the verse, greater is he that is living in you than he who is living in the world, comes to play. The God that is inside of us and that lives in us is greater than any spiritual entity or demon or oppression that is out in the world because Jesus has overcome the darkness and we have authority. I'll go into that a little more later. But So today we're going to talk about three things that you should know about the spiritual world. And I want to start with a story that happened at YWAM. As I mentioned in my previous podcast, YWAM is a ministry that stands for Youth with a Mission. It is a six-month program in total, three months where you're training 
in the word and being free and healing. And then three months where you're sent out into an outreach into a nation where you get to put into practice everything that the Lord had taught you and, and what you learned from the pastors and the leaders there. It's a great program. And this story happened in my time in Hawaii, in Kona, Hawaii. And it was a moment where we were put back into quarantine because students who arrive at Kona have to go into an immediate quarantine. Hawaii is very strict with their guidelines there. And there was somebody with symptoms of COVID actually on base. So we were put into quarantine, like I said, and it was Easter. It was a Sunday and we were watching Passion of the Christ. And as you may or may not know, Passion of the Christ is just such a emotional and a moving movie. I think it is honestly the best one when it comes to showing what Jesus went through and the suffering that he went through. So as we were watching that, I had two roommates, which I won't disclose their names, but um, we all three of us were just moved with uncontrollable weeping. Like we were just crying, bawling our eyes out because it was just so powerful seeing Jesus being whipped and torn and just bleeding as the Romans beat him. And um, this is what Jesus went through for us, right? And one of my roommates had to step out for a moment because it was a lot. It was very explicit. I actually recommend that if you're listening to this right now, go watch The Passion of the Christ. It will bring your heart back to a place of repentance, and it will just renew your strength, honestly, because seeing what Jesus did for us is just so powerful that we're moved to tears in a sense that we're not the same. We're just not the same. So I encourage you to go watch that. Anyways, you had to step out for a moment, right, to catch your breath because it was a lot. But she told me that she was experiencing like she was nauseous. And I thought this was a little strange because this is our Lord and Savior. And I think that you have to watch this. Todd White, a very big evangelist, said that if you have to tape your eyelids open to see what your Savior went through for you, because we can't go through unaware of what Jesus did for us. And as we, we just wept and as she, she stepped out into the bathroom, I suddenly hear the Holy Spirit in my spirit say, take communion. And I turn to my roommate and I'm like, we have to take communion in some way, shape, or form. And we were in quarantine, so we had somebody bring in a cracker and some aloha juice, which is like pineapple juice in Hawaii because we didn't have grape juice. And we were so worried in a sense that we didn't want to break the presence of God that was in our room because it was just so potent. It was so powerful. It was so present. It was there. It's like as if Jesus himself walked into the room. And so the people brought us the communion and we sat down and we opened Matthew 26, right? And it says, now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. So we were gathered around on the floor, and as we were meditating on the blood of Jesus and his sacrifice, and about to take communion, all of a sudden, it seemed to have bring to light some opposition in one of my roommate's hearts. So let's call her Katie. So Katie in the room, she was really uneasy, right, as we were about to take communion. And she urged us that me and, let's call her 
I don't know, Sally. She urged me and Sally to pray for her. So me and Sally prayed for Katie, and we laid hands on her, and we felt a massive shift in the room. It's as if fear kind of took over the atmosphere, and it's like you're feeling really uneasy and discomfort and heavy and dark in the room, right, as we laid hands on on Katie. As I was looking at Katie on the floor, she started to squirm a little, and she started to almost act in a weird way, and I put my hand on her chest because God gave me a vision of two chains in an X formation, and I was led to command the spirit of fear to come out of her, and then she she ended up, you know, rolling and, and stuff like that, but I literally saw the spirit of fear leave her body and go out the window when me and, and, and Sally prayed over her. So as I literally saw the spirit leave the room, almost like in a dark form, me and Sally continued to pray fervently for her and for chains to be broken in Katie's life and for her to be completely free. And so on the floor, she was experiencing freedom as we prayed for her. But there was the spirit of opposition and fear in her life that we commanded to leave. So why am I telling you this? I am just bringing to light a story that can help you understand why the enemy would show up in this situation. I think that because the presence of God was so strong in that room that the devil and and Satan was highly uncomfortable. And if there was anything other than the spirit of God in that room, it had to leave. Because one thing you have to know is that we have authority. And aside from knowing that the spiritual world is real, it's essential that you know that Jesus has given you all authority in heaven and on earth. Living as a Christian and not knowing that Jesus has given you the keys and that you have authority in him is like being a bird and not knowing that you can fly. So think about it. A bird has the assets necessary to fly. But if a bird doesn't know that they can and lacks the understanding on how to use the wings, it completely paralyzes its main function. The lack of knowledge and the lack of understanding of how that bird can use their wings puts them in a disadvantage and it paralyzes them and it takes them out completely of the game. They can't fly and that's what they need to do. So authority is literally knowing how to soar. It's knowing how to fly. Because as Christians, we're warriors. We're fighting this fight. And we have an adversary against our life that we have to use the word of God against and and just take authority against. And if we don't know we have authority, the enemy's going to walk stomping over us left and right. He's going to put fear in our hearts to a point where we can't even live our lives. Luke 10, 19 in the Bible, the Amplified Version says, listen carefully. I have given you authority that you now possess to tread on serpents and scorpions and the ability to exercise authority over all the power of the enemy, Satan, and nothing will in any way harm you. That is one freaking powerful verse if you ask me the lord himself told us that we possess authority to overcome the enemy and any of his schemes 
So the number one thing is to know you have the authority. The second thing you may be asking is, how do I use my authority? And the Bible shows us a couple of ways. One of them I mentioned in my story just now is through the use of commands. In the Bible, when Jesus is approaching a sick person or Jesus is approaching somebody with a demon, I think it's very important that you notice that Jesus commands things to happen. He doesn't ask them and he doesn't pray over them. Jesus commands sickness and darkness and demons to leave. And I find this a fault in many ministers because I've seen in the church and out of the church people manifesting demonic and just pastors or people praying the fire of God over that as if it was God coming over that person and not a darkness that is actually fighting the light. So in this case, you don't ask for more of the presence of God, although the presence of God can cast it. In in the situation, we just follow the manual where the Bible says that Jesus commands things to leave. I want to look into a couple of stories in the book of Mark. Um, chapter 1, we see that Jesus is just functioning in his authority, even though he is God, right? So let's go to verse, so Mark one twenty one. Jesus drives out an impure spirit. And I'll start reading from 21. So they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly, and come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were so amazed that they asked each other, what is this, a new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders, commands, right, to impure spirits and they obey him. So like we were saying before, Jesus here commands the spirit to leave. He doesn't ask the spirit to leave. He doesn't say, oh, if you want to, maybe, or give them the choice. When you're addressing the spiritual world or a demon or a sick person who needs healing, you command sickness to leave. You command Lazarus to come out of the tomb. You command people to be made whole. Later in verse 40, Mark 140, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. If you are willing, can you make me clean? Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing. And he said, be clean. He didn't say, Lord, make him clean. He didn't say, God, please send down your angels so that he will be clean. But he just spoke it over the man with leprosy, declared it, ordered it, that he would just be clean. And in the same way, we should look at this example of our precious Jesus. And when we come into situations like this where we're facing spiritual warfare in our house or if we're face to face with somebody who's actually possessed I want you to know that you have authority I don't want you to be scared because greater is he that is in you that than he who is in the world as you see here the the Pharisees and the people who surrounded him looked up to Jesus because Jesus knew what he functioned in he didn't take it in vain he owned it 
he walked in it and he believed it. So we've covered that knowing that you have authority is essential. We've covered a little bit of, about how you can use your authority. And the third thing I want you to know about the spiritual world and about discussing the invisible is that the devil doesn't always come with horns and a pitchfork. Sometimes we have this idea that we're going to know the enemy when he comes and, and tempts us or we're going to just know when we see it or, or we expect something so big. But sometimes the devil will come very subtly with a thought and he will come at your weakest spot and will tempt you. And we see this in Matthew 4, the temptation of Jesus, when he was in the wilderness after 40 days of fasting and not eating. He was so hungry and he was at a very weak, vulnerable spot. And that's when, verse 3, the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. So here, another thing and another tactic on how to use your authority is through the word of God. In every circumstance here in this passage, you see Jesus saying, but Jesus replied, it is written. He says, Jesus replied to him, it is written. He used the word of God. So when the enemy comes and mocks you and puts a bunch of thoughts in your head and tells you that, I don't know, you blasphemed against the Holy Spirit, right? A lot of people in the church actually go through this. They, the devil comes and he, they put a lie in their head that they had committed blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And now this Christian is vulnerable and believing a lie that the enemy has put in their mind, making it think that they don't have forgiveness, that they are condemned, and all because of one lie where the person thinks it's their own thoughts, but it's actually the enemy. This is where the word of God and Jesus as our example shows us that we need to have the word at the tip of our tongue. When thoughts like these that we don't want come and invade our thought process and invade our mind and invade our emotions and feelings, we have to know the authority we have in Jesus and in the word of God to command and tell the enemy, no, it is written that I am a royal priesthood and it is written that I will take every thought captive and demolish every argument, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We'll take every thought that's not our own and we'll make it obedient to Christ. And that's in 2 Corinthians 10.5. But that's why the importance of the word of God is essential in overcoming the enemy. You don't need people to pray over your mind for you to be free. I mean, you can have people pray for your mind, but this is something that you have in your own hands that you can take and, and, and do for yourself. You don't need pastors and you don't need other people praying for your mind because Jesus has given you the verses and the tools necessary for you to overcome these obstacles. And these obstacles come for every Christian. That's why in Ephesians it talks about the armor of God so that you can take it upon yourself and extinguish all the flaming arrows of the devil, of the evil one. Dan Moeller is a well-known pastor, and in one of his episodes on YouTube that's called Resisting the Devil, he kind of makes a cool analogy as the enemy has nothing more than just an annoying person that just pesters us. And if we don't give them attention, 
they'll eventually stop talking and they'll stop annoying us. So think about the enemy just yapping into your ear. And what happens when you don't pay attention to people who are talking to you? They stop talking or eventually they'll just walk away. And I like that perspective he set up because the enemy is just an annoying pest that wants to take away our peace. But he wasn't the one who gave it to us. God is. And if God gives us our peace, then we best believe that no one can take that away unless we allow them to. So as we know the word of God and declare the word of God over ourselves, we're able to differentiate what's truth from what's a lie. So if you're hearing all day, every day, you're never going to make it. You're not going to make it to the end. I'm going to kill you before you get there. You best believe that you're going to make it because the devil is a liar and everything he says is a lie. As we read the word of God, the truth will become so native, so normal to us that we'll know the stranger's voice in an instant. I know it's easier said and preached and talked about than done. I myself personally go through a lot of spiritual warfare in my mind and honestly I can cry talking about it because it's just something that's so hard to overcome a lot of the time in the seasons where like we feel like we're Jesus in the wilderness and the enemy is just rising up against us with every argument that he can and I'm over here just like on edge barely able to say it is written but I'm sorry, I just want to be honest with you guys, but we just need to believe in the word and what God says and the authority that we have because the enemy will not have any dominion in your life. And I say that as I prophesy over myself that you have already overcome every situation. That pain that you're experiencing that seems to dwell on your chest I command it to leave right now in Jesus' name. That thought of suicide or not being good enough or insecurity, I command that thought to leave in Jesus' name because you are made in the image of God and you were made with purpose and to live a life full of the joy of Jesus. So I just want to pray over you guys right now. And whoever is listening, Jesus, I just thank you, Lord, for leading me to this today and to lead this listener to to hear about the authority that they have and that you have given us as a gift. And I thank you, Jesus, for giving us this gift that you have already overcome hell and that you have already taken upon yourself a death that was so gruesome that it silenced the grave. I ask you, Jesus, that you continue revealing yourself to every listener and showing them who you are so that they can use the strategies that you've given them to overcome and to live a life in fullness, in joy, and in peace. In Jesus' name, I declare that and I prophesy that in your name.